Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. We'll be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but full spoilers for episodes that we have talked about in the past. I'm Jason, and I'm really sad after watching that episode. And I'm Harrison, and I too am very sad. Uh, Jason, what sad episode are we talking about? We are watching Angels Season 3, Episode 16, Sleep Tight. This is the one where Holtz's plan to kidnap Connor and raise him as his own uh, finally comes to fruition thanks to Wes betraying the gang and kidnapping Connor. And, And unfortunately, Angel is unable to... It ends up even worse than he thought it was going to, and he can't do anything to prevent it. Yeah. Um, Sleep Tight was written by David Greenwald and directed by Terrence O'Hara and originally aired on March 4th, 2002. Jason, we've got different drinks this week. What are you drinking? Um, back to the Narragansett, um, as opposed to the wine that we've had the last couple times. Yes. We're out of wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> People are probably like, Jason, stop mooching off of their <laughs> liquor and bring over something yourself. No, it's, we, John was meant to get more wine today and forgot. And that's okay, though. It's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Not, not, not uh, mad at all. <laughs> I've got a gin and tonic. Uh, nice, cool, refreshing gin and tonic. Uh, shall we have a toast? Yeah. Um, here is to the women's national soccer team. Look okay. um, Unfortunately, they were knocked out of the round of 16 in the World Cup. And a lot of people are kind of like giving them shit, especially Megan uh, Rapino for uh, R- Rapino. Wow, I feel f- um, <laughs> they're giving her a lot of shit for missing a penalty kick. Um, but here's the thing: like we've had, we should take a lot of pride in what the women's team has done over like the last several years. They, I mean, they were the defending champs, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just an incredible collection of talent. Um, couple representatives uh well one representative from racing louisville on the uh women's on the u.s team and then other uh other racing louisville representatives on other national teams and it is confirmed that racing louisville uh team members have scored the most goals of any of any club in america across their players in the world cup Nice. Obviously, playing for different countries, but still. which is pretty impressive considering our clubs, uh, both the men's and women's teams, are relatively new. It's only been within the last ten years, I think, even less that we've well, had. Well, yeah, them. like because um, uh, I think racing didn't start until that they were originally going to start in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. uh, but something uh, yeah. may have delayed that. You may have heard of it. Um, also, but no, yeah, here's to the, here's to the women's team. Actually made an effort that time. It was much appreciated. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Um, 
So, Jason, before we, like, dive in, um, obviously, Elephant in the Room, Wesley's big betrayal. Um, obviously, he shouldn't have done it, but whether he should have or should not have is not the question. Um, my question for you is, from a character perspective, does it work? Do you believe it? So, I think I mentioned this the last Angel episode that we had um loyalty and i feel like the whole questioning of whether connor is safe with angel that dilemma that um wes has been going through i feel like it came across rather suddenly (laughs) instead of slowly building throughout the season it really just kind of became apparent pretty much as soon as as soon as Wes translated, the father will kill the son. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just felt like it came across very quickly. To the writer's credit, and also to Alexis Denisov's credit, um, they, there are... The, the progression over this last... Over these two episodes has been very good just a little rushed Mm -hmm. and uh i mean there are definitely like moments in this episode where wes is saying that he trusts like he he still trusts angel he still believes that angel's doing Mm -hmm. good and he like tells holtz that tells justine that um but in that but again the the fact that he's willing to go to the lengths of protecting connor uh, the way that he does by kidnapping him and taking him away from Angel is, it, again, it it seems like they could have built up to it over maybe not the entire season because you did have all of the Darla stuff going right. on, but just the Connor episodes in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think I, I kind of realized as you were saying that it, it might have been a bit better to have sprinkled those things before uh, Wesley ever read the prophecy, just just like little nuggets of doubt, little just you know just little moments, and then the prophecy itself triggering that into overdrive. Yeah, because this is such a huge betrayal. Yeah. So I want to read a quote from Alexis Denisov. Um, the um, this is from uh, an interview that's on the season three DVD. Um, he says, there are weeks of pressure building up to these prophecies, which he has in- investigated as fully as he knows how, and Cordelia isn't around. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, yep. Uh, that's maybe and the we've only... Men- and we've mentioned this before, how... Yeah, um, how isolated he is right yeah, now. Yeah, and, and how if he came across this, we, we understood that he wouldn't go to Gunn or Fred about mm-hmm. this, um, and obviously wouldn't go to Angel, but he would have gone to Cordelia. Yeah. So he goes on to say, that's maybe the only person he would discuss with. He is alienated at this point from Gunn and Fred because of the emotional issues that's been going on. And so it makes it difficult for him to be even in the same room with them. And he's a man. He's a person. So he doesn't doesn't rise above that and talk about all his concerns with them. He's trapped by it. Um, I just, I liked that. I thought it was very insightful. And and yeah, Um, it shows just how flawed Wesley is. mm -hmm. It's and it, we, at times, it feels like 
the only characters that really get so much development that we see their flaws is usually just Angel or Cordelia. Mm -hmm. So, and Wes is kind of this, I'm keeping the ship straight on Angel Investigations. Um, So the fact that you get his, you see this turn, and, I mean, he makes the mistake of just losing the trust in Angel Mm -hmm. when he never even... And you have to think, what would have happened if Lorne had had time to explain what was going on with Angel? Um, if he explained, like, about the blood, the blood. being spiked, mm-hmm. would that have changed Wesley's mind? I don't know. Because I, I can see it going both ways. I can see, I can see it either convincing Wesley, it's like, oh, I have an explanation for why he's been acting this way. I, we know what's wrong. We know how to prevent it. On the other hand, though, I could see also it cementing it for Wesley. Connor will never be saved. Yeah, exactly. That could be the thing that would have made him go even more firmly, uh, feel more firmly in his convictions about that he's doing the right thing. Um, Yeah, I I appreciate that the show, you know, obviously I, I love myself some Cordy. I miss her, but I do appreciate the way that the um, the show is using her absence um, in a way to propel the narrative forward. Yeah, um, in a way that makes sense for you, not and, just Angel. And you kind of have to wonder: was it always planned that Cordy was going to be away for this? Yeah, I don't know um, because it seems it, it seems fairly obvious that had she been there, this would have had to have played out differently. Yeah. I like. I feel like Holtz was always going to to take Connor, um, but yeah, I think it would have if Cordy were around, we would have seen this play out in a different way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mentioned in the last episode or the episode before, whenever it was, that Charisma Carpenter was getting married. Um, so you know, I don't know if there was always a plan to get Cordy out of the picture momentarily so this could play out this way and they just went oh that's convenient like or if it's you know um season two of the x-files um they had to write jillian anderson out of a few episodes due to her pregnancy and so she got kidnapped for a couple episodes but it um it led to the creation of basically the entire show's myth arc um, you know, for better or for worse, you know. Um, so, so it, I, I could do, have been worse. Could have been fat camp. I mean, you know, you know, um, so by yeah. the way, that that's not me trying to be um, detrimental towards pregnant women. That was that's a Fraser like, reference. Th- that is a Fraser reference to uh, the actress who plays Daphne being pregnant, and they and when and basically to explain her absence from the show while she had her baby, they said she went to fat camp. Yep. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Allison Hannigan's brief absence from How I Met Your Mother, where... <laughs> Barney tells a joke that just pisses her off so much she just leaves. Yeah. Like, and we didn't see Lily for, like, what, four weeks? Something like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, all of that to say, uh, I, I personally do think some of the lead-up to it, yes, a bit rushed, but the actual execution... Yeah, I over... Buy. Yeah, and, you know, and I mentioned in the Last Angel episode as well... Um, you always talk about how boring the Holtz storyline has been 
when West starts interacting with Holtz, that's when it really gets some life injected yeah, into it. It really does. Um, I could still do without Justine, but well, I don't think you're gonna have to wait too long, <laughs> given the state that she's in at the end of the episode. Win some, lose some. All right, shall we jump in? Yeah. We're kind of uh, at the same spot that we were at the beginning of the last episode, where Wes is looking at the prophecy, reading it again, says the father will kill the son, um, and this time he's eyeing, uh, he's eyeing Connor in the bassinet, and um, you know Connor's crying, and Angel walks in and says, "You know what to do, Wes," uh, while he's drinking blood, and he says, "Yeah, pick him up and hold him, and then he'll stop crying." I legitimately thought this was another um, dream. another dream. And I was like waiting for the shoe to drop, and then eventually I was like, "Oh no, it's just real life." Angel or Wesley's just super paranoid. Yeah, <laughs> and we get uh, we get Angel being really hyper, um, really just kind of jazzed up, and this kind of it's good that he has this strange behavior because what he said at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm of, oh, he kind of looks like a snack, seemed in- extremely out of character and inappropriate for him to say. So it's good to see that he has this weird behavior. Yeah. Like, there's there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Yeah, but... I do like that the way they've tied that in. Like, it's, it's just there really, really subtly in the last episode. Um, we see him drinking the blood. Um, they, in this episode, we see him drinking a ton of blood. On a show that doesn't typically show Angel drinking blood unless it's um, important to the plot. Unless it's important to the plot. Um, not shocking I, I, for a network show. It doesn't when it's hunk of a lead of drinking course, gallons of, of blood. Of course I do love what in those early episodes when she's like getting drinks for everybody and she gives she I can't remember what she gets Doyle, but then she like hands Angel a coffee mug. She says, Oh pause yeah. and she puts cinnamon in the blood too. It had to have been very early because mm-hmm. it would have been when Cordelia first started working for Angel and Doyle was still alive. Doyle was still alive, <laughs> and she was she was really just trying to make herself make herself known as a very valuable part of the team. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Angel's basically just incredibly energized, even though he got very little sleep. Um, and he doesn't really... He's not really too worried about the whole room exploding. <laughs> he says, hey, it's... And, you know, um, Wes does say we don't have insurance. And Angel says, hey, you know, that's the great thing about being in a hotel. You can just pick a new room. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not wrong. And there are parts of the Hyperion that look a lot worse than what happened in, the, <laughs> in Angel's room. Uh, but then... Uh, he hear Angel hears somebody singing, and uh, Wes says that Lorne is out in the courtyard with a client, and it is a young woman who is playing kind of a folksy, yeah, folksy, th- folksy tune on the acoustic guitar, very late nineties, early two mm-hmm. thousands, kind of, um, kind of jewel esque. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, maybe the song "Kiss Me" from "She's All okay. That." All right. Uh, yeah, I forget who does it. Um, hang on one you. second. 
I did look this up because I was like, I was curious if this was like a well-known musician making a cameo or something. Um, it Sixpence was not. none the richer. Okay, very nice. Um, she's she's not any sort of famous musician, um, but um, I do. Her role is very brief, but obviously memorable due to what happens. Uh, but I I thought she was quite charming. I liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, was it? Wait a minute. Was this not in? Was this not the one from She's All That? I thought it was. Is that the kiss me? Yeah. Beneath the moonless twilight. Exactly, yeah. I could have sworn that. Yes, that is. I don't know why they did. Uh, I don't know why they worded it so strangely on Wikipedia. <laughs> Funny thing, um, a gender swapped remake of She's All That, known as He's All That, was released on August 27, 2021 by Netflix. Okay. All right. Also, do, have you seen the the crazy cast of She's All That? It's like yeah, it's it's Freddie Prince Jr., right. Rachel Lee Cook, Matthew Lillard, Paul Walker, um, Kieran Culkin, uh, Usher, Lil Kim, Anna Paquin, Gabrielle Union, Clea Duvall, Milo Ventimiglia, damn, Sarah Michelle Gellar had an uncredited cameo. I knew that. Uh, yeah, no, it's and probably other names that oh, Dule Hill. Um, yeah, and I don't even know if I've seen She's All That. Because she would have been, um, they would have been a couple at that point, yeah? Freddie and, uh, Sarah? Yeah. No, no, actually, I don't think they would have been. That was, like, it was 1999. Yeah. I knew they were a couple when Scooby-Doo came out. Yeah. Um, because they met doing I Know What You Did Last Summer. That was 97. But I don't know when they... There's a very cute story she's told in interviews about how um, during I Know What You Did Last Summer, um, she like didn't have a car or something, so he would give her rides to the gym because they like went to the same gym, because um, she had to he he like knew she had to stay in like Buffy shape. Like mm-hmm. um, they got married in 2002, met while doing while filming I Know What You Did Last Summer. They started dating in 2000, so I guess they weren't together at this point. Um, I wonder if maybe he convinced her to do the cameo. Possibly. She's all that. I mean, she was a big star. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, there's a chance that, honestly, they might have just said, get get SMG in here for a cameo. Like, maybe, we should, maybe we should watch She's All That. Yeah, I've never seen we that. We still haven't done our Quest for Camelot episode. We still episode. have not done our fucking Quest for Camelot episode. Um, we that, that has been, what, like five seasons? <laughs> like, yeah. I'd love to watch She's All That, though, mostly because... I honestly am down for watching anything with Clea Duvall. Yeah, I love, love her. Clea Duvall. Love her. Have you seen But I'm a Cheerleader? That is something that has been on my watch list for a long time. It's, but it's it's her, Natasha Lyonne, Natasha right? Natasha Lyonne, Melanie Linsky, um, RuPaul has like a role in really? it. Really? Yeah. No, um, I've, I've heard good things. Uh, who else is in it? There's, some, there's someone else. And I've heard that it's like kind of a really revolutionary queer film for the time. Yeah. Um... Um, who is it that's oh yeah Michelle Williams has like a small part in it um, the white Michelle Williams <laughs> I was about to say you're gonna use the line from Orange is the New Black <laughs> the white Michelle Williams um, anyway um, so back to, back to the angel so before we did our crazy left turn into 90s 
pop music and <laughs> movies. Uh, so Angel, Angel hands Connor to Wesley because he's showing off his favorite broadsword. It's like that's Daddy's favorite broadsword, and then he realizes, oh my gosh, she's gonna be crawling soon. We need to bit start baby proofing. And this is, I think, where I made a comment of like, ooh, wow, they're just really sprinkling these, like... Yeah, they... they I wouldn't say they go overboard, but they go as far as they can with yeah. the... With Angel being the, like, the cute dad baby combo. Yeah. Well, and there's just a lot of his dialogue that's around Connor um, that are, like, loving dad comments, not, like, plot comments, mm-hmm. um, are about him growing up. And things like he's excited about for the future. And we also had that in the... Mm-hmm. With the we hockey. We also had that with the, ho- with the little hockey sticks in the last yeah. episode. But I couldn't say anything. Because spoilers. So Wes is trying to decide, uh, while he's holding Connor, best way to maybe get him away from Angel. And says, hey, you know, maybe he and I can just take a few days and go go to a park or go to the beach. And you know, so he can spend time with his Uncle Wes. And... Angel Angel feels good about that yeah. because why on earth would he have any reason to doubt Wes? Wes has always been extremely loyal. Yeah. Um, and Lauren says that everybody should look at uh, this young woman, Kim, in the courtyard. And uh, she starts singing the uh, chorus of the song that she has been singing. And right near the end, uh, her face like turns, goes all demony and says that she's going to hack your eyeballs out. And rip your children in two. Yeah. It should be noted that she wasn't singing a song that matched this tone. No. <laughs> she's, not, she's not a disturbed cover band or anything. I don't care for the band that she is in. Well, it's... So, I mentioned this while we were watching the episode. They This sound that they have is completely different it's from what so she's playing weird. here. Which isn't too out of the question because just because that's the song that she wants to play to Lorne doesn't necessarily mean that that's the that that's what she plays with this band yeah but uh yeah it's the band thinks that they're like you know metal rockers and thrashers and they're just lame yeah I honestly uh, you know I think Gunn and Fred are worried about how Angel ends up dispatching with them I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually does feel like like we need him to go like crazy violent in a way that is concerning and out of character, but we don't want to turn the audience <laughs> against him completely. <laughs> so like, let's just make sure the people he's ripping apart really deserve it. I mean, he said that he like one of them said that he was gonna have like first go with Fred. Oh, so yeah, that. I mean, you know what? I'm glad his arm got ripped off Me too. You're not going to hear me say that that often in, <laughs> at any point in my life, but it there it is right there. Uh, and um, and she says that this didn't happen before, just that she joined this band and all of them seem to be turning into demons. Um, she used to be a medical in medical school <laughs> until Lauren convinced her to drop out to be a musician. <laughs> crack up and then Gunn's like yeah that's just what the world needs lots of doctors it reminds me of a joke that uh, it reminds me of a joke that uh, was in Big Bang Theory 
when um, Leonard was dating a doctor and uh, Sheldon was kind of using it to get uh, free and constant medical care. <laughs> and and uh, and he's taking his blood pressure and the doctor, um, I forget what her name is. She, she wasn't around for too long. But uh, she says like, Oh, Sheldon, why are you wearing a blood pressure cuff? And he's like, oh, for instance, oh, just so you know, it is called a sphygmometer. And uh, obviously she knew that. <laughs> but she says, you seem to know a lot about medicine. And he said, well, I did, I did study medicine while I was in college just so that I would have a trade to fall back on. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Uh, Rude. Have you ever seen The Big Bang Theory? Because yes. that is very <laughs> much his character. Um but uh yeah and um fred has been examining um her blood and uh west does say that the humans the band members are human are excuse me the band members are demons but kim is not she's just been infected and fred confirms that and basically she can overcome all this uh with uh taking um Kylinthium powder, which is a mystical antibiotic, taking it uh, two times a day for a month. Nice. Yeah, not that bad. However, during this whole thing, Angel's just almost bouncing off the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wondering how the flying nun was able to fly, uh, which is an important question. <laughs> <laughs> I like that his options are was it God or magic? <laughs> Um, but then he says, oh, you know, we should, we should totally take out these demons. Like, and everybody thinks that while he's acting a little strange, you know, they probably should. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we have, we go back to Holtz's headquarters and Justine is still, um, trying to make sure that all these soldiers are ready to fight, uh, vampires. They ain't. They are not. (laughs) Um, but that's okay because... They're only supposed to fight one vampire and they all fail at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then just They can't even take out Fred. <laughs> like, and I mean no disrespect to Fred. Um, but she is the smallest member of the team and she has very little combat training. In all fairness, though, they didn't go after her, which is why she was able to get them get that sure. one guy from behind with the crossbow. Oh, that was and so then hot. one guy <laughs> and then one guy did tackle uh one guy did tackle her and kind of like immobilized her but i think he also got a crossbow for his efforts i couldn't tell if it because she definitely shot it when he was tackling but it doesn't it couldn't it wasn't clear if it made contact Mm -hmm. i choose to believe he did yeah just give another give another kill to give another kill to fred Mm -hmm. uh yeah justine is um not really she's worried that um even though she signed up to kill vampires that if they go ahead with Holtz's plan, they're going to have to kill all the humans that mm-hmm. work for Angel. And um, and <laughs> Holtz is kind of like, well, she's reached the end of her usefulness. So he <laughs> takes out his he take he subtly takes out his knife, but then Justine says, you know what? They chose Angel. That makes them enemy soldiers, which is exactly what Holtz has been building this army up for. Yeah. This episode is really trying to get us... It's truly trying to build up that Justine is going to betray Holtz 
Um, we get it with this scene. We get it when we go. She goes to see Wesley later. Um, and it's meant so that when, it's a red herring. It's a red herring, and it's meant so that it is when she, what her actions at the end of the episode are more shocking. But and I, I mean, obviously, I am looking at this through the lens of someone who knows what's going to happen, has seen the show before. But I feel like even at the time, I never bought it. Like it honestly, just, the thing that surprised me most about this episode, about this whole plan is that Holtz's intention is to raise Connor, like, take Connor, just take him away. Yeah. Like, not kill him to get revenge on Angel. I mean, we later find out... He's willing to. (laughs) Yeah, and we also... And we also later find out, like, oh, there's a little bit more to that plan. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, And... Uh, per my comments earlier, while the Holt storyline did get momentum from Wes finally becoming involved, the character Justine, I- I'm with you. I'm I'm not feeling it. I. It would have been really cool if this had been Kate. I was literally just going to um, say the same thing. Like you'd have to adjust things, you'd have to change some things, but well, yeah, just... like all you really have to do is just kind of change that last episode that she was in. Yeah. Um, and not have, like, the resolution that Kate and Angel had. Uh, but again... Um, or have her get sucked into Holtz's plan before knowing that Angel is the target. Mm-hmm. I think that's another way you could go for it. But, it, but yeah, I just... I have no investment in Justine. I, I mean, no offense to the actor who is playing her, but she's not really giving me anything, and I don't think the writing is giving her anything. Yeah. Whereas Kate, even... <laughs> Even when I was beyond frustrated with Kate, I did have an investment in her as a character. Um, and again, like the whole her father being killed by vampires is fits in perfectly with this mm-hmm. story. I mean, and we saw her relationship to her father here. Justine's just we, we don't know anything about her sister mm-hmm. except that presumably she wasn't an asshole. Um, and I. Sorry, that moment though where she's like when Wesley's like, Who'd you lose? And she's like, None of your business. And all just like just lays her it sister. all out. Her twin sister. <laughs> uh but yes, Wes does uh show up and Holtz um is willing to listen to him. He says, Mr. Wyndham Price is our guest. Uh we do see Angel, Fred, and Gunn. Uh they go to where the ba- the demon band is rehearsing and <laughs> It's really funny. Like, there are two groupies there, and they just split. Smart. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, like, even though the band members are talking shit, the minute that Gunn gets out his crossbow, they just start cowering, and he says, come on, at least take it like a demon. And then Angel just goes hog wild. Hog fucking wild. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'll say it, hot. Yeah. A little crazy. But... On the crazy hot scale. <laughs> uh, I really liked the one demon who was really concerned about who was going to pay for the window. <laughs> uh, We're going to kill you. Even if you do kill us, you better still pay for that window. <laughs> um, little details like that just always... It's like, it's not necessary. It's not adding anything other than just like, I don't know, makes, makes that char- character... I'm not going to call that guy a character, <laughs> but like... It, it just makes the world richer. Well, that's... And and that's the thing that Buffy and Angel have always done. Um, even in... With a couple of exceptions, 
there's always you always want to make room for a little bit of levity. Yeah. Um, and like you even look at the the most serious episode of Buffy, the body, mm-hmm. and they still have that little dream cutaway where Anya is talking about how Santa Claus is a demon. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also thinking the body. I was specifically thinking about uh, before Dawn gets the news where she's gossiping about like the bully in her class who mispronounced the word annals. Um, so like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, and, and you know, most of the time it works mm-hmm. uh, for both these shows. And I think it's why, I think it's why you love them so much. I mean, you, you, you'd never call the show a comedy, but you also would mm-hmm. never call it um, a straight up drama either. Yeah. And I, you know, I will say, I do think, I think it works really, really well in Angel and Buffy. I do think it did become a bit of a crutch for Whedon later on in his career. Um, you know, sir, I found that Dollhouse struggled with the line between comedy and its drama. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I felt like uh, Age of Ultron... <laughs> really struggled with it oh man and i don't know how much blame to put on on him and how much to put on the studio but um, oh my gosh that that is still one of the worst movie experiences i've ever had in theaters um but so many puns so much quipping yeah Ugh. but here we're still in it's still at a good balance yes um and yeah, so Angel tears these people apart and says, oh, that was fun. <laughs> um, so Wes is talking to Holtz, and uh, he does not want innocents to get hurt. Now that is Holtz. He says he won't let an innocent child get hurt. Um, and he needs Wes to make a decision, and uh, he gives him one day to make it. Uh, and we do get a fun little foreshadowing of Justine thinking that Wes is going to stab them in the back and Wes just kind of immediately gets the knife up to her neck Mm -hmm. so I think she took that a little personally I think she took it very personally (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Angel Fred and Gunn are back at the Hyperion and Fred's just a little worried about how crazy Angel's been acting and he uh, just starts chugging the blood, and um, and Connor's crying, and uh, you see Angel just getting super angry with him, mm-hmm. and he starts yelling at him, and and uh, just telling him to shut up, and yeah. and Fred's like, hey, he's a like he's, he's a, a baby. literal baby, yeah, he's a baby, <laughs> and uh, and you know everybody's freaking out, um, and. Lauren's like, how long? How long have you been drinking like so much blood? And uh, Angel just hucks the glass mm-hmm. at the wall, and uh, he has a line where he says like he needs to grow up, and then he, he immediately follows it with like if he keeps crying like that, he's not going to, which is like to me that's far more scary and chilling than when he throws the glass. Mm-hmm. Like the glass is like a nice punctuation but that line for me i was like whoa that is so far beyond the pale yeah and and you know um gun saying like hey man i think you like i know this is life or death but i think you need to stop I was like i don't care what you think like 
goes at Gun, mm-hmm. and and uh, and that's when he starts to realize that something is wrong. And I I love 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 the Angel Investigations crew for this. Mm-hmm. That they could have just like tried to put him down. They could have just tried to run away with Connor, but no. When they start seeing that angels realize they they help angel work through this yeah and and they and they still trust him to do what's right and it that trust and them being there allows him to work out that um something's wrong and like something's wrong with the blood lauren thinks do you think maybe something somebody's been spiking it and uh Fred's like let's find she's out like, pulls out with a science, science. <laughs> like, um no yeah i think the uh i think wesley as well as the sunnydale crew could all uh could all take some lessons in <laughs> talking to one another mm-hmm. and working things out um we get west taking a walk and uh he he notices the justine's tailing him and this is when we have that scene where um she doesn't think that Holtz is going to keep his promise, um, and uh, she was able to get away from, like she was like she was able to get away without him noticing. She was wrong. She was Holtz was right there, but as we all know, eventually this is revealed to all be part of the plan. Yeah. Uh, so Wes says that there's a trace of human blood in the pig's blood that Angel's been getting, mm-hmm. and Angel says that he knows that it's Connor's blood. Now we know what Sajan was planning on doing with the blood yep. that uh, Lila so easily procured. Um, and he says that for the past two days, Connor smelled like food. Yeah. So now we have our explanation for why he said that at the end of that, at the end of the last episode. Yeah. I really like how this is done. Um, and I'm going to put a lot of this on Boreanaz's performance. Um, once he gets the information from Fred that there's human blood in here, it's it's almost like he's able to like he, like he we see him put the pieces together, but it's it's like it unlocks that something that like he hasn't wanted to admit. Um, but now that he has an explanation for why Connor has smelled like food, which I imagine would be very alarming for him. Um, once he has like a reasonable rational explanation for it he's able to open up to the rest of the team and be like yo this is how I've been feeling Mm -hmm. Um, even if I'm only realizing it right now based on the information we've got Um, yeah I also love how he's like they're gonna pay and Fred's like who and it's like who do we think? Yeah. <laughs> and then we get Lila Morgan just an absolutely stunning black dress. Oh, her hair's and, on yeah. point. Yeah, like I mean it was it was a very it would have been a very inappropriate time to bring it up, so I didn't say it, but oh my god, she looked fantastic. Hot. And you know, I know I Hot said and evil. Hot and I know evil. I said in the last episode that uh, I would never get Lila Morgan um, even on my best day. But if I saw her like if I saw her sitting at the sitting at a bar drinking scotch and wearing all that, damn if I wouldn't just try. <laughs> like I would definitely be that guy and yeah. sit next to her and try to buy her a drink. Like, nope. Listen, as long as you go away after she says no, nothing wrong with it. So uh, there's this really cool scene that I love of um, 
obviously like a lot of bars this one has the mirror mm-hmm. um on like where all the shelves are and lila is just looking into it and starts laughing because she says you know i can't hear you but i'm really starting to think that i'm beginning to feel you and this scene i really really enjoyed it because mm-hmm. we've mentioned before the differences between angel and Lindsay's relationship and angel and lila's relationship and this scene kind of highlights that mm-hmm. this is something that angel could only have had with lila yeah and it's really good it's a great scene mm-hmm. it um it i just i love how and it's just uh, it, it really underlines the complexities of lila um we once again hit on her mother um but not but, to a point where we feel bad for her yeah um, we see that she is still afraid of Angel, but she's gotten better at composing herself around him. Um, and I like that she's not completely unflappable. Like, that makes her more interesting to me that, yeah, she is afraid of Angel. Um, and she has been working steadily to not let him see it. Um, and you but, know, yeah. it, it's, and you can tell that the, that there is a personal vendetta there. Oh, yeah. Um, because... She said, when when uh, Angel does bring up the whole spiking the blood with his son's blood, um, which, let's just take a moment. That is really fucking evil. It is. It really like, is. That is, that may be one of the most evil things that has been done on either of these two shows. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's metal as hell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, and honestly... I wouldn't have minded another episode that was kind of to have another episode of just that of just seeing Angel spiral mm-hmm. into like craving his son. Mm. Um, but there's like, but they don't really take a lot. Like that could have gone to really dark yeah. places, and uh, there's I'm no with, time to do it with everything else. I'm really, really with you there. I think that. I, I think unfortunately we're in we're just in an era of TV and network TV specifically where they were never going to go that to that yeah, dark that, of a that place. Yeah, too much. But ooh, it would have been good though, or could have been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's so funny to me to say that like ooh, it, that might have been too dark. Like we're dealing with some dark fucking shit. Yeah, and and to even just go, I had a moment of being like, even that's like too dark as it feels almost over the line (laughs) uh but yeah the personal the uh i made the comment uh when uh angel brings up the the whole um spiking the blood and uh lila says oh it's just doing my job and her job is specifically not to do something like that um because I'm sure that Wolfram and Hart wants the child alive. Yeah. I mean, hell, uh, Lila's trying to take him at the end of the episode. Um, and, you know, making Angel want to eat his child <laughs> kind of almost guarantees that that Connor's going to die. Um, so I think her job now isn't necessarily what Wolfram and Hart tells her to do. I think yeah. her job is just... I'm. And she says, "Like I'm making, I'm dedicated to making your existence mm-hmm. miserable." Yeah, 
I love the way he, Angel, tries to appeal to her better nature. And she shuts that down real yeah. fast. Um, where he, he has the line where he's like, you know, you put on them. She she tells him, you know, I had to work harder, twice as hard as all the men. And he's like, is it a feminist thing? And she's like, no, it's a survival thing. Also, they bring and, they bring, uh, they bring the whiskey over. Oh, he yeah. says, it's on her. It's on her. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, but yeah, he says, like, you know, you put on that mask. Eventually, it's, you know, that becomes your true face. And she just fucking laughs at him. And she's like, this became my true face years, years ago. ago. Um... Yeah, I just, I love this whole conversation. Um, it is just, it's an example of what two performers who are, who have great chemistry, who are really comfortable in their roles, um, and what they can do with a great writing. When they can just sit down, you know, we, we watched um, Red Eye the other night. Yep. Um, which is almost entirely... That was my first time watching it, and I loved it. It's a great movie. And, um... That the the best part of the movie is that middle chunk, the whole second act, which is more or less just Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy sitting next to one another talking. Um and you know, um another example is um or re- a more recent example is the film Women Talking, which I fucking love. Oh man, that movie was awesome. And it literally the title is it's exactly what it says on mm-hmm. the tin. Um but Jeez, didn't we go to the theater get away from women talking? <laughs> Am I right, men? Am I right? Um but uh yeah and, and it's scenes like this, you know uh, when Barbie watching... movie, more like Blobby movie. <laughs> oh my God, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen the Barbie movie. Um, but no, we um, Buffy really kind of you know I have always loved writing, but watching Buffy and Angel kind of reignited um, a, a passion for it in a way that uh, this back you know back when I was seventeen that went beyond just like, oh, I like to, you know, enjoy doing writing assignments for school and stuff. Um, and it seems like this that really, you know, I don't think I, yeah. I watched this scene when I was 17 and went, I'm going to be a writer. But like... And the thing is, you, yeah. look at other, you look at other TV shows of the time and some of them haven't aged well. And I'm not talking about subject matter. I'm just talking about... The writing can come across as very wooden mm-hmm. or repetitive, but the fact that we're watching this today and we're still being impressed by some of the stuff that is in Buffy and Angel, even though we both watched a whole lot of TV, like recent TV, you more than me, uh, <laughs> and writing has elevated itself to new heights. The fact that Buffy and Angel can still hold its own with all of those is all the more impressive. Oh, fuck yeah. And of course, as we have said many times, you know, so much of our modern day television owes itself to Buffy. Mm -hmm. I mean, fuck, fucking hell. Russell T. Davies has said that, like, when he was reviving Doctor Who... Buffy was kind of a template that he that he used on how he was going to update modern or Doctor Who for a modern audience, and it's still fucking running almost 20 years later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I saw a um, quote that uh, 
I haven't seen the episode yet, but uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds mm-hmm. did recently have a musical episode. I watched that. I spent the entire episode with the biggest fucking grin like, on I my am, face. Like, I'm waiting for it. Like, I, I finally finished season one, so I'm super excited to get there. But I saw a quote saying that the writers and everybody who worked on that show, once more with feeling, was their bar. You can tell. Mm-hmm. You can tell. Um, so just, just quick sidebar on that before we move on. But... Um, Across the board, um, pretty universally incredible vocals uh, from that cast. I really want to uh, highlight uh, Christine Chong, who plays uh, Lon, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ethan Peck, who plays Spock, and uh, Celia Gooding Rose, I believe, plays Uhura. Uh, who is Uhura. They are the three strongest singers. Um, not going to discount Rebecca Romaine, though, who surprised me at how good she was. Um, Anson Mount has the least to do. <laughs> Is he the willow of the He's episode? a bit the willow. Actually, I, I... He's the dawn. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, I love Anson Mount. I think Pike is an amazing oh character. Oh my god, he, he's, he's so one of my, good. He's, he's very slowly becoming one of my favorite Star Trek captains. Oh yeah. Not a good singer. And that's fine. That's okay. You need to be. You don't have to be a good singer. Um, especially in Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. It was um, it was it was just all the right kinds of charming. Yeah, um, let's get back into the bar though. And uh, Sajang shows up, and he's like, "The hell are you doing? You're sitting here drinking with the guy I want you to kill." And Angel looks at him and just says, "Like, who are you?" Yeah, he's like, <laughs> "You're having a drink with my sworn enemy," and he's like. Excuse me? I don't even know who you are. Have we met? So, like, why are you angry at me? And Lon says, he wouldn't tell me either. Yeah. <laughs> I loved her, like, I don't care. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, I also was a big fan of uh, how Angel kind of deduces all this stuff. And Sashan's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. And Lila's like, except that you're a sworn enemy who's a time-traveling demon who brought ults to the future. But whatever. <laughs> You kind of told him a lot. By the way, it's it's really cool to see, um, you know, the, the whole premise of the show is that the is that Angel Investigations is a detective agency, and sometimes you forget that. But I like this little moment where you just see Angel putting it all together, like so transdimensional demon. You're the one that brought Holtz back. <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, that's our last little bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is actually, I think, I do think is a strength of the episode. It does, you know, we get these rocker demons that it does set it up like, oh, this is our case of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really inconsequential, ultimately. But it does, the first half of this episode is is a lot of fun. And, and it really does lull you into false a false sense of security for what fucking horrors are to come. And those horrors all most pretty much revolve around Wesley. Mm-hmm. He comes back to the Hyperion Hotel. It doesn't look like anybody's there. Um, so he starts gathering things. Nobody's there except Connor, um, who's just in the bassinet in the middle of the lobby. And uh, so Wesley grabs a, grabs a bag, starts gathering up some stuff for, for uh, Connor. And that's when Lauren comes down. And, uh, and he says, uh, oh, I talked to Angel... And Wesley says, I talked to Angel, and, uh, you know, there's a park near my place. I wanted to stay there with, I, I want, like, you know, Connor to spend the night with me. And, uh, you know, Lauren's, Lauren's a little suspicious, 
but then, and he doesn't even... Yeah, okay, so yeah, just before Lauren can inform about, like, the the spiking of Angel's blood. So, he almost got to where he was able to explain what was up with Angel. Yeah. But then, uh, Connor starts crying, and so Wesley starts humming him a lullaby. Really not great thing to do if you're trying to succeed in front of a demon who understands what you're do like, your intentions with when you sing. Yeah. And, um... Lauren just kind of realizes it immediately, and uh, so Wes puts Connor down, chases after Lauren, and just bashes him over the this head. Is fucking brutal. It is. It's, Poor Lauren, and it's a hate crime. It's a yeah, yeah. I was listening to um, what was I listening? I, I don't. Hmm. I don't remember what it was, but I, I was listening to some podcast or maybe reading some article about something, but um, someone pointed out the difference between violence and gore. And that they often get really, really lumped together. Violence and gore as the same thing. And they really aren't. Um, I've always just associated gore with the amount of blood. Exactly. Um, and I, I think that yeah, this is, we're not seeing a lot, you know, late, we pretty much only see, like, a welt on Lauren's face earlier, but this is really, really violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, if you go too far into the gore area, it's, it, sometimes it makes the whole thing lose its impact. It does, yeah. Not to derail us again, but speaking of, speaking of which, have we watched the trailer for Saw 10? Yes, I have. I'm fucking stoked. It looked... So I'm a little disappointed that they aren't continuing Spiral. Uh, yeah, me because, too. you know, we both really enjoyed that movie, uh, but it does look like Saw 10 is back to basics. It's, based on what I've seen, it's set between 1 and 2, um, and it looks like the vibe is going to be kind of Saw 6-ish, which I think is yeah, one no, of the best Yeah, no, Saw 6 is one of my favorites. So, listen, um, and it, it looks like, based on the trailer, so who really knows, but it does look like the movie's really gonna focus on the beginning of Jigsaw and Amanda's partnership mm-hmm. which we've really not gotten to see outside of like brief her having the flashbacks reverse, her having the reverse bear trap on yeah so um I hope that's what the movie is because uh, Amanda is I think one of the most interesting Saw characters um so really fleshing out her more and her relationship with Jigsaw I mean her and his interactions with the surgeon are the best parts of Saw 3. And they are, um, um, and they are very much, uh, you know, it's the original, this, like, Saw is, uh, Jigsaw's taking a disciple. Yeah. So, um, before, like, that just kind of became... Yeah, before we got Jigsaw Disciple number 8,023. Mm-hmm. And yeah... <laughs> To all those of you rolling our eyes about how much we love the Saw franchise, Saw, just like any other horror franchise, um, it it has its bad movies. Seven. <laughs> but you know, it has some great movies too. If, mm-hmm. Like if that's what you're into, I mean, I think I think even people who aren't huge fans of the franchise, I think a lot of people love the first one. Oh yeah, and Saw is you know I I totally understand people who don't like Saw and why they don't like Saw totally fine like I'm not I'm not here to convert people to Saw fandom but I do think one thing that has to be acknowledged is that Saw has an excellent understanding of its own continuity and lore sometimes it gets away from itself yeah it does it does have a it does have a running storyline 
that overall makes sense. Yeah. Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not branching out into eight different timelines, <laughs> depending on which sequel you're watching. Anyway, All right, so. yeah, so <laughs> we're just stalling here. Um, but yeah, and uh, Wes is about to go back to Connor, but then Angel comes in, and that's when Wes tells him, like, oh, there's a park, and uh, there's a park near my place. I think it would be a great place for us to go, and he can stay the night with me. Um, and we- and Angel says, in light of mm-hmm. how he's been feeling about Connor, says, you know, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. And, um, oh yeah, Fred and Gunn are out getting food. Yeah. Um, which, uh, and Lauren did make the offhand comment, they're like, I'm pretty sure I already saw Fred eat, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, and then he says, uh, oh, before you leave, can you, like, look up some stuff about, uh, this demon named Sajong? And, um, at first, and then, uh, Gunn and Fred come back, and... Wes thinks that his plan's gonna like crumble down and he says, you know, I actually think I have better material research materials at home for this. And so then there's the heartbreaking scene where he's like, Do you wanna say goodbye? Oh. And uh and you know, Angel just thinks that it's for the night. Yeah. And uh and, he, and yeah, and he says goodbye, Wes walks out, and uh Angel's like, Oh, my first night with uh my first night and they were uh Fred and Fred and Gunn are wondering where Lauren is. Yeah, and Gunn's Fred, worried that Fred's gonna eat Lauren's hoagie, and she's like, "I've already had two. No, unless he's not unless here. He's not here. <laughs> you know, I, I love this running gag that uh, Fred loves to eat. It is a, it is a very two thousands trope of the woman who eats everything she wants and always is skinny, but she doesn't work out. Lorelai <clears throat> Gilmore. Gilmore. <laughs> um, but, and, and, and it is that trope. But for Fred specifically, she, slid, she was like starving in a hell dimension for five years. So. Yeah, I can look the other way on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. Uh, Remember the, the time she made oatmeal out of twigs? Like, <laughs> let her have five hoagies. <laughs> <laughs> that girl can have as many hoagies as she wants. Um, and Angel's, uh, and Angel starts, um, positioning some, uh, stuffed animals in the crib, and he says, uh, you know, first night, first night without, first night without him, first night on my own, should be fine, should be able to get some sleep, and then, uh, is it Gun or Fred? It's Gun. It is Gun, yeah. I actually prefer that it, like... I don't know, it just really highlights the friendship that has yeah. developed between Gun and Angel, yeah, despite and themselves. Yeah, and they're like, and they're sitting, they're, and Fred and Gun are both sitting there, they're sipping their drinks, and Gun says, we'll stay up with you. Yeah. And, uh... It's so sweet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then they start hearing some moaning, and they wonder if Lorne is in the back. Somebody's in the back, and if it's Lorne. But before they get a chance to check... Um, Holtz and his soldiers um, not Justine uh, they all come into the Hyperion Hotel and uh, Holtz doesn't really do anything he just lets all the other um, red shirts go at, go at it and uh, there's a little bit of banter I like the banter like, it reminds mm-hmm. me of the first time that Holtz went into the into the Hyperion and Angel like found out that he was here yeah Honestly, they've got, like, really good banter, but 
you've kept Holtz away from Angel for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really, uh, it, it, it was really cool. Like, Holtz is just like, oh, where where is the little nipper anyway? <laughs> and, uh, and then, then he just sicks all the, all the on, on Angel and Gun, And, uh, you know, they're able to beat them all up. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Holtz escapes. Holtz just gets out and, uh, that's and we've mentioned before, like uh, Fred gets Fred gets a crossbow kill. Love it. Uh, but also does show how a crossbow can be inefficient, <laughs> and you have to reload another bolt. Uh, but then that's when um, that's when they they find Lorne in the back. They're like, "Oh man, those guys really really knocked you out, didn't they?" And uh, hold up, we have to give Lorne some props. For kicking that guy in the fucking face. Oh, and also he did something we haven't seen him do since Pylea. Uh-huh. He used his voice to kind of stun the, uh, stun like some of the people that they're fighting. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, they said like, oh man, that guy, like those guys really hit you hard, didn't they? And he said like, no, they didn't do this. And he said it was Wesley. And then everybody just goes into panic mode. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren explains that he read him and that uh, Wes has been meeting with Holtz twice twice Mm -hmm. um and uh we see wesley um heading to his car he's just gotten a suitcase of his stuff and he's about to get in but he sees justine like walking across this plaza she's um holding her she's holding her stomach um west just immediately like pulls out a gun yeah and um too bad he didn't uh trust his gut yeah stick (laughs) with that um but uh Justine says, like, oh, Holtz betrayed me. Um, and so then Wes, we get this moment where even though Wes has every reason to just leave her there, he decides that he wants to get her to a hospital. So it's it's not like, I mean, Wes may have betrayed everybody, but it also shows that he's not just flat out turning evil. Yeah. He's it's not lost his humanity. Yeah. He's specifically like he's specifically trying to do what he thinks is the right thing and the way to keep Connor safe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he but he also you know says, "Oh, I'm going to help Justine." And as we said, Justine took the whole holding the knife to her throat thing personally, so um, she cuts his throat God. and leaves him there. God. Takes Connor and gets into the car and drives away. It's fucking brutal. It is, and it is the last time we see Wesley in this episode. Mm-hmm. We do. We we're not gonna find out if Wesley survives this this week. And as we discussed uh, when we were looking at the episode list, if you were watching in real time, it was six weeks before you found out whether or not Wesley survived. Which fucking brutal. Yeah. Angel's um, trying to put things together, and he realizes that um, Holtz knew that Connor wasn't in the Hyperion. Otherwise, he would have just torn the place apart looking for him. He just the battle was just a distraction, um, so that Wes had time to get away, and um, so now he just grab like Angel just grabs a sword, and and um, he starts threatening. Uh, he throws one guy across the lobby. And grabs another guy and says, like, oh, I'm going to, uh, uh, like, I'm going to take this arrow yeah. and, like, just shove it right in your eye if you don't tell me where he is. And that's when they tell, uh, that's when he gives an address to Angel. And, uh, and so Angel takes a sword and just runs out. Um, and Fred 
and Fred Gunn and Lauren are like, we need to find Wes before Angel does. Yeah, they do. Yeah, Wes is, yeah, like, uh, again, he's, uh, he's like, oh, Wes kidnapped my son. Yeah. So, he, Angel's not in the, Angel's not in the right frame of mind. No. He, um, he, he starts to take it out on Gunn for a moment. Um, thankfully, Fred shuts that down and she's like, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters right now is where is Connor? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad Angel listens. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Wolfram and Hart, uh, they they have a team at Holtz's lair. And um, when Holtz isn't there, Lila says, all right, um, we need to find him. And they spotted uh, Holtz heading um, on a Brit, like towards the 6th Street Bridge. And uh, Angel is able to hijack one of the Jeeps. Nice. Um, and uh, Justine gets a hold of Holtz. And that's when Holtz, uh, they're both in the car, and Holtz turns and says, oh, your name is Stephen Franklin Thomas, uh, I'm your father, Justine's your mother, and, uh, and you're going to grow up, uh, in a ranch in the middle of nowhere, and he looks at Justine and says, like, how's Utah? Um, so they, and they think they're gonna get away. However, Angel does, in fact, get, uh, forces them off the road. Um, and Wolfram and Hart commandos are right behind him and, uh, they get out, uh, and they, um, so Holtz and Holtz says to Angel, if he comes any closer, he'll break Connor's neck. Um, the commandos are all holding up their semi-automatics, which Lila explains like, oh, they didn't have these, uh, (laughs) when you were around. Uh, so... They shoot 16 bullets a minute and... Uh, a second. A second. Pardon me. Pew. <laughs> uh, That's the same. Pew. Not that impressive. <laughs> um, and so it's this big standoff between Holtz, uh, Angel, and uh, Wolfram and Hart. And then... Uh, and then Sajan shows up and he's saying like... And he looks at Lila and says, You told me you'd kill him! And, uh, and Lila says, like, no, we're going to, uh, we're going to take, like, we're going to take him to the firm. And, uh, that's, and that's when, uh, Holtz looks at Angel and says, if he goes with anybody else, he dies. If he goes with me, he lives. Mm -hmm. And that's when Angel just tells him to, like, take Connor. Yeah. And, um, Saja, and Lila says that, uh, oh, don't worry about Sajan. He's, like, he's impotent in this dimension, which... I think Sajan takes personally yeah. and opens up. He's like, a, look how fucking impotent I am. Yeah, he opens up a gate to Kortoth, which is the darkest of the dark worlds. And this looks pretty good for its time and its budget. I thought I thought this effect was generally okay. Yeah, um, and he says that uh, if he opens it wider, um, he'll just like he'll just let everything get swallowed into it, unless Holtz kills Connor and. Uh, and so that's when Lila's like, all right, kill him. And, uh, but Holtz just runs into the portal yeah. with He's Connor. He's like, I have another idea. And, uh, and Sajan, um, and, you know, Angel's trying to run after him, but, uh, a, a bolt of lightning from the portal hits him and flings him back. Sajan says like, well, that takes care of my problems, closes the portal and disappears. And, um... And Lila tells the commandos 
to move out because she's got a mountain of paperwork to deal with. And the com- one of the commandos asks, what should we do about him? And uh, she's like, just let him suffer. Oh, and that's fucking cold. Yeah, and Angel... And would not have landed as well as it did if we had not gotten a conversation between the two of them earlier. And Angel's just lying there grieving because his son is gone. Yeah. And it's that fun. is sleep tight. It's fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, man. So, it, it's... It... I'm so glad... Just listeners, just a peek at how the sausage gets made. We were supposed to record this yesterday. Um, I was fucking exhausted due to a literal farce happening at my house <laughs> again on Saturday <laughs> night. We had spent... Uh, several hours at Jason's house on Saturday watching movies. Had a delightful time. John and I got home to find that a fucking possum had gotten into our house again. <laughs> we got home at midnight. Probably closer to 1230 actually, but because like, we left your house I think at midnight. That sounds about right. And so spent the next hour or so trying to get this fucking possum out. So like it was a fucking like, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time I was actually really close to having all, a panic all attack. It, all it was missing was Benny Hill music. Oh my god. But the next day, I was just so... I didn't sleep well after all of that, and I was so fucking exhausted. I was like, I cannot record today. I just cannot do it. I, I think I, like, threw in, like, a, if we really... If, like, if you can't do it Monday, I can, like, make it work. And thank you, Jason, for not... Not, like, be like, no. Like, rest. <laughs> but, um... I'm so grateful that we did wait to record this episode when I, when I, you know, I was feeling better and had the energy because, as you said, this is an episode that we really did need to be at 100% for because it's, And, and yeah. the thing is, it's, it's not really going to stop because we still have a lot of fallout to deal with. Mm-hmm. We need to find out what happens to Wes. We need to find out what happens to Justine. We need to find out just what Angel does yeah. after this is done. Yeah. This is episode 16 of 22, mm-hmm. so... Um, and I would, yeah, I would say we're, this season is, uh, you know, I would say is like kind of three acts. Um, I would say the first act ended with Lullaby, um, with Darla's death and Connor's birth. And yeah, I would say we're entering act three, uh, with Connor's kidnapping here. And you know, we're, we're kind of at that same point in Buffy season six as well. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We're about to enter the end game of season six. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oof, these, this ride's gonna be rough, y'all. It's gonna be a lot to deal with. Um, as for this episode, uh, there, there, there are a couple flaws, which I've mentioned throughout, uh, but overall, I like that we got a really epic conclusion to the Holt storyline, maybe something that, maybe more epic than it ever had a right to be, (laughs) um, but uh and i like that uh i like that it wasn't necessarily wolfram and hart involved in this it was mostly lila yeah and mm-hmm. her hatred for him and her hatred for angel and i like as i said even though the even though season long season lengthwise the turn for west seems abrupt over the last two episodes, it feels like it's been done very well mm-hmm. um, with the time frame that you have, and uh, and yeah, and I'm also here for um, 
even with Wes turning and Cordelia gone, um, these characters, these original Angel characters, not like, you know, ones that have been pre-established in Buffy, because that's basically all that um, Angel has now with uh, Fred Gunn and uh, Lorne. Mm-hmm. They are there for him, and they feel like, hey, this they're part of the family. Yeah. And uh, seeing them with the support, like, making sure that Angel, like, hey, calm the F down. Um, it's it's great to watch. So I'm going to go ahead and give this episode a... You know what? I'm being generous. How about a 4.5 mm-hmm. out of 5 uh, hoagies that uh, hopefully Lauren gets one of them. Oh, yeah. He deserves it. <laughs> no, Poor I, guy. Got, got just bludgeoned in the face. Yeah, I second everything you say. I don't. I don't even think I have anything to add. I just. I think it's a really, really good episode, and um, it feels like a great end to this part of the arc. And I'm so excited to get into the next, the next part of this story. Um, so yeah, uh, four and a half terrible punk aggro metal rock whatever <laughs> they are bands it seems like you just threw out random adjectives well I feel like they deserve only getting random adjectives well All Harrison right. if that's it why don't you take us out yeah well thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy we will be back next week with Buffy season 6 episode 16 Hell's Bells. I'm Jason. I like ACDC. Uh, you, can, uh, you can find me on Instagram at yamaj357. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at booze and buffy or you can email us at booze and buffy at gmail.com in all those cases the and is spelled out a and d no ampersands here baby and don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i don't have any like worthy causes on the top of my head at the moment all right go do some good yeah be nice to someone today be patient yes You, you never know if they're you never know if their blood has been spiked with their child's blood. That's and right. They see their children as food. Yeah, you never you never know whose child has been uh, ripped from their arms and gone through a portal to the darkest of dark worlds. Yes. Well, as always, go slay and be gay. Peace. Bye.